AgriTalk is brought to you by Full Scale from Helena. Grow Strong returns this season with breakthrough foliar nutrition from Full Scale at Reproduction. And by Propane. Propane is the energy for everyone, especially farmers. Environmentally friendly propane can fuel most anything on the farm. See how at propane.com. Selling pressure has started to soften in the grain markets. Mixed trade in the wheat and a higher close in March soybean meal, but grain markets, the cattle complex, lean hog futures, yeah, they all remained on the defensive to start a new year of trade. Live from the new and improved Holiday Doldrums 2023 edition via Farm Journal broadcast, this is AgriTalk. This afternoon, it's a conversation with Luke Swenson from The Money Farm. Right after the news, Oliver Slope from Blue Line Futures. I'm handsome newsman Davis Michelson. Now here's the host of AgriTalk, Chip Lorry. All right, Davis, thank you very much. Just to give you an update on the efforts to elect a speaker in the House of Representatives, uh, uh-huh. eight uh-huh. ballots have now failed. Eight? eight. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the group of 20, uh, mm-hmm. they're not giving any ground. Uh, okay. McCarthy, the the Republican up for the speaker's role, Kevin McCarthy mm-hmm. from California, uh, has reportedly made concession after concession after concession. So many concessions that he is now starting to lose some support, not votes, uh-huh. but he's starting to lose some support from those that have been voting for him because he's usually, giving too much to such a small group. Usually at the circus, the concession stand is like the most popular <laughs> spot. You would think. You think. Well played. Well played. <laughs> I. That you, I'm not even trying to add on to that joke. <laughs> that was fantastic. Thank you. Thank you very much. Wow. Wow. Mm-hmm. Well done. Well done. Well, and seriously, uh, though, you you run the risk. You give, you know, you give, well, okay, well, okay, well, yeah, okay, well, yeah, okay. You know, pretty soon it's like, well, what what are you even standing for anymore? Yeah. Well, you know? and here's the thing. Some of those in the group of 20 have gotten everything that they've asked for in concessions mm-hmm. and will still not vote for McCarthy. Will still not vote for him. So mm. here's the thing. If McCarthy is doing the deals to get the votes, mm-hmm. if somebody else ends up being the, the the Speaker of the House, yeah, don't they lose what they negotiated? Oh, the deal's off. It's got to be deal off. Deal is off. I would think. Deal is off. And you go sit the dadgum corner right and don't speak unless spoken to yep this is uh you know before before the election we talked about how difficult it would be or is not just would be but is and has been to lead and in in a in a house with a slim margin well boy it is on full display for everybody to see right now just how why would you want the job? Yeah. John Boehner. John Boehner right now is somewhere in Ohio looking at what's going at what is going on and I'm sorry, he's got to be laughing. Paul yeah. Ryan up in Wisconsin, same deal. Sigh of relief. He's yep. Just like, "Oh my gosh, I am so glad that I don't have to deal with that anymore." Yeah. 
it's just, oh, boy, we could go on with this for quite some time, but let's not. Let's not. Let's okay. uh, get to the news. What do you got? Wheat futures were mixed with the U.S. dollar index trading sharply higher and at the highest level since mid-December. After two days of hefty selling, traders expected an upside correction in wheat. March soft red wheat opened steady, pushed up to test resistance at the 750 level, then dropped through support at yesterday's low before prices recovered to close fractionally above the opening range. March HRW wheat futures were a penny lower, 839 and three quarters. March soft red wheat firmed a penny and a quarter to 746 and three quarters. March spring wheat closed at 909, up five and a half cents. To stop the selling, we talked about it earlier this week. It's part of the process. Feels like maybe that's gotten started. Ethanol production weekend of December 20, just 844,000 barrels oh. per day on average, down 119,000 barrels from the previous week, and the slowest production pace since mid-February 2021. Production in the last week of 2022 is 19.5% below the same week in 21. Ethanol stocks in the week of 24.44 million barrels were down 192,000 barrels from the previous week, but still 14.4% above year ago. March corn futures opened slightly higher and tried to rally before prices fell back to close below 650 for the first time since December 20. March corn futures were down a penny to 652 and three quarters. May corn down one and one half, 652 and a half. July corn futures closed at 646 and three quarters, down two and one half cents. Ugly ethanol production reports. We'll talk about that with Luke and export demand coming up here in just a little bit. Expectations of a big Brazilian bean crop continue to limit buying interest in the soybean market. Rain is expected in southern Brazil over the next 10 days, and rain is working its way into the forecast for Argentina as well. Heavier rains are continuing in central and northern Brazil. Traders also uh, reportedly took profits from the long side of the soybean and soybean oil markets. March bean futures opened higher, tried to rally, then fell through and closed below support. Mm. At 1475, March beans 12 and three quarter lower, 1470 and three quarters. May beans down 12 and one half cents, 1477 and one half. July beans closed at 1481. That's down 12 and a half today, Chip. Yeah, this is the first day that we've done some what I would call significant technical damage to the market. We'll see what Luke thinks about it. March cotton was 214 points higher, 82.58 quickly. February fat cattle seven and one half cents higher, 157.35. March feeders off a buck 67 and one half to 186.55. And Feb hogs a buck 55 lower, 82.52 and one half. April down 137 and one half, 91.52 and a half. Chip. All right. Thank you very much, Davis. Let's bring in Oliver Slope, Blue Line Futures. Good afternoon, Oliver. Happy New Year, Chip. Hey, thanks, buddy. Um, February cattle, seven and a half cents higher. I don't know if we can call that catching a bit or not, but at least it closed higher. Yeah, I mean, it, it off the lows, I guess that's a, a little bit of a silver lining, I guess. You know, I've been talking with clients for the last week or so. You know, I'm not super optimistic here near term about the upward mobility, but that's not to say I think the market's going to fall out of bed. I think more or less we're just going to come back into a little bit of a range. If we pull back two or three bucks from here down near 154, where you got a lot of the major moving averages, I think that would be a spot to represent value. But until we get a pullback, I, I think the buyers, you know, might be uh, at bay, so to speak, until we get a little bit better price action. And I think there's just a larger concern, too, in the commodity sector as a whole about global growth and a potential yep. slowdown. It might be a little bit of a headwind here in the near term. Yeah, well, that has certainly thrown 
the lean hog market out of bed, hasn't it? It uh, there, There's <laughs> yeah, nobody well, that's willing to step up and buy that thing right now. Well, lean, lean hogs, I always say, you know, I throw it in the same category as like natural gas and wheat where, you know, it just can be crazy irrational longer than most people can remain solvent. I, I think will, there will be a buying opportunity in the lean hogs, but I think you just kind of got to wait and let the dust settle first and kind of let things come in. Yeah, seasonally, seasonally, we should be finding a low any time. Um, yeah, yeah. Or, or maybe should have already found that low and started to push things to the upside. Hey, right. did you – go ahead. No, no, go ahead. I was going to say, did you see my Cyclones made their way down to Oklahoma and got a road win in the Big 12 last night? There you go. Giddy up. How about that? Oh, man, <laughs> I don't care this year. Oh, the other thing is, the other thing about the Big 12 – Get this. There's 10 teams in the Big 12, and they have the 10 toughest schedules left in NCAA men's basketball. Yeah, that's uh, that, that, that's pretty impressive. What I really was wanting to get, get to, to the conversation is who you like in the national championship game, TCU or Go Georgia. Go TCU. TCU, hey, man, man. I'm with you. We can agree All right. on that one. Oliver Slope. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. Knowledge is power. We're here to charge your batteries. Agritalk. Welcome back to Agritalk. I'm Chip. Glad that you're with us this afternoon. Davis is here as well. I am. And uh, we'll be jumping into the conversation with Luke Swenson from the Money Farm. Luke, it's good to talk with you again. How are you? Oh, uh, we are warm after like three weeks of ungodly cold temperatures up here. So we're enjoying 10 degrees right now. Yeah, there you go. Enjoy. We're warm. All 10 degrees of it warm. <laughs> That's awesome. Did you? How much of the snow did you guys catch from uh, from this last round? I'm just glad you guys took it all because we were supposed to get eight inches. And uh, I think it all shifted. Basically, Sioux Falls to Minneapolis bared the brunt yeah. of it. And actually, we knock on wood, walked away with nothing. But, okay. I mean, we've been pounded a couple other times. I mean, we've had a couple close to 20-inch storms come through. Yeah. So, I mean, the, the trees look as close to, like, British Columbia tree skiing <laughs> as they ever will. But, unfortunately, it's so flat we can see British Columbia from here, so there's nothing to do with the snow. <laughs> That's right. That's right. So, yeah, things up there, Fargo. Uh, you getting excited for the game on Sunday? 
I am. I had to laugh when you made that joke about, you know, big 12 and 10 schools. When we were down in Iowa, the funniest, like the most speechless I've ever seen a college student was we were walking into the stadium and there's like some tiny college girl next to me and some kids kind of flirting with her slash making fun of her. And she's like, yeah, welcome to big 12 country. And he, she just looks at him just completely deadpan and goes, there's 10 people in your conference. When you learn how to count, come back yeah. at me. Yeah. And <laughs> every one of his friends just like he was ostracized for the rest of the walk-in and we, <laughs> we enjoyed it. So. so I don't know. Are you an NDSU or an SDSU? No, I'm I'm NDSU. I'll admit okay. I'm a little nervous for this weekend, though. I, I think SDSU's got a heck of a team this year, un- oh, unfortunately. But but it's fun watching the Dakotas get to compete. Yeah, yeah. Well, and and it's going to be fun for the rest of the country get a chance to see two really good football teams uh, play for wow. a championship and and how a playoff can work. Oh yeah, no, it's a lot of fun. I'm yeah. I can't wait till. FBS does the same thing, but yep. enough of football yep. for the day. Yeah, enough for that. Okay, so rumbling, bumbling, stumbling in these grain markets out of the chute in 2023. What's your general take on how the markets are trading right now? Well, when we finished the day, about 653 in March corn, and I remember there's you know a couple of the groups we still consult with. About a week and a half ago, we had our weekly call, and we were at about 655. We're like, what should you do? I'm like, I'd personally be selling here. And then we put 25, 30 cents of weather premium in from Argentina, just from forecast shifting around. You know, we had some export sales that supported a little bit. And I mean, you know, I think this is the market realizing we have more weather premium built into this than we anticipate. And that's our bias anyway. Right. Gotcha. And you mentioned demand there a little bit. Let's talk about demand for corn. And and uh, it, really what I'm looking for is any, any thoughts on... It's nice to see demand, but when we get demand from Mexico or from Colombia or from even Japan, the market just kind of takes that in stride, even if it's a decent sale. It's that Chinese demand that really gets the market's attention when it comes, if it comes. Does it come this year? Uh, in the quantity we want, I don't think it's going to. You know, you sit and, like you said, you I mean, you hit nail on the head. Uh Japan sales or Mexico sales come across the board. I don't even pay attention because we get 97% of them. It, it just right. doesn't matter. And there's stable enough economies that there's not going to be a lot of up and down like China. Unfortunately, I just don't see China getting back up there. And I don't see us, you know, even though we've pulled what 7% out of the dollar in the last month and a half or so, you know, you look at FOB prices. I mean, you can pull Ukrainian corn out of the port yesterday at 15 over. And I think what's New Orleans right now, about a buck 25 today, maybe down to a buck yeah. 20. Uh, like it's just hard to pull ourselves back into that game, knowing everything in the Black Sea is bargain price, either because your country needs cash and you're trying to move stuff to keep your farmers solvent, or your country is being, you know, blackballed by the entire Western world. So you're just going to dump it as cheap into Asia as you can to keep the markets moving. And I, I don't see that stopping anytime soon. Yeah. How much, how successful has China been in getting corn out of the Black Sea? Uh, Corn, not so much. Wheat's been moving. I mean, Russia's okay. been dumping any, anything they produce. I think, you know, uh, corn exports from Russia were like, what, 4 million tons last year. They're the same this year. I wouldn't be surprised to see a little uptick next year. But I mean, it's not going to be too wild. The thing is, I mean, you look at India and them, they're just going to be gobbling up all the cheap wheat they can, all the cheap products they can. And it's just going to come off of, you know, the Western world's export demand. Like, that's the one thing, you know, we've always said, we're, we're the supplier of quality and speed. You know, we're not... We aren't Walmart. We're Target or yeah. Amazon Prime. I don't know whatever we want gotcha. to use for the the, the prettier gotcha. analogy. No, I love that. I love that. That's that's a good explanation. 
that demand that is missing from the market right now has, in most Januarys, helps the corn market rally. I, it, 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 the idea of starting a rally now and ending the month higher after the pressure that we've already seen in the first three days of of the month, it, it seems kind of unrealistic to think that we can put some gains on for the month. Yeah, I'm not holding out hope for it. I mean, like I said, we were talking in the 650, 660 range. Let's go and throw some targets in. And we threw a bunch in, you know, 670 to 690 uh, on March and hit most of them, thankfully. But I mean, you take that chart and you pull that back out to like a 20-year chart. There's what, you know, 15 months in there that we've actually been trading above this level. So, you know, you come in, we're on a tight stocks. We've got internal demand. I mean, Iowa is the heart of it all where we've gone and seen buck 50 over basis on a short crop last year, uncertainty this spring. And then everyone that physically got wrecked on the basis side is front loading all their purchases this year. So you've got basis super high, you know, like you've seen that weird dynamic with how we built into the start of this year. Like we need to keep so much momentum going just to hold it there in our opinion. I mean, if, if South America comes anywhere close, we're, we're pretty darn nervous going into next year. That's why we're scaling into sales pretty aggressively here. Okay. Okay. Um, Talk to me about domestic demand. We've got the quarterly grain stocks report coming up next week. Um, the 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 corn for ethanol grind, little disappointing or a lot disappointing? How do you describe it? I'm not going to surprise. I saw 84 this morning and said, what? Uh, yeah. But coming out of that, you know, you've got, like you said, we've got some storm issues. You've got a national holiday in there that slows up a little bit, but you get to the Western side, you got some that were idling, not idling, but uh, pulling back. You've got some logistical uh, shortfalls there. You look at our stocks number. We are kind of doing that seasonal arc. We're about 10% higher than a year ago. So we're not, you know, COVID filling coffers everywhere, but I mean, you've got some constraints on this market without the exports coming strong. I think you can see some of them idle back in the, in the heart of consumption area where you've got strong domestic man pulling off your plant. I think you'll be just fine. But, I think the bigger thing we're going to see is I don't think these guys are going to have to bid as hard for grain going into the summer as, as we anticipate. You know, you start to get some of these pullbacks. It starts to shake bushels loose a little more freely than you're anticipating. And I don't know how long everyone's holding out for these big basis numbers. That That's the thing I think can catch, you know, at least the Iowa area by surprise if we start to really pull this thing back in line. It's it's yeah. weird trying to figure out what to say when we're pricing corn at 60 over into ethanol plants on Christmas. It just yeah. it's not something normal. Yeah, no, you're you are exactly right. And uh, um, now that we, ha you know, now that we're into 2023, a lot of the things that were keeping the bin doors closed have been removed. And I would expect that the grain's going to the, the corn specifically is going to start to move, isn't it? I think so. I mean, we had, there's enough guys doing deferred payments, you know, all, yeah. all the shuttles and ethanol facilities we talked to, you know, you're really pushing back up to your 2012 style numbers on carrying payments over. But I, I think the bigger thing is people are holding out there that there might be this shortfall. And that's where I, I continue to just sit and look at South America. And I look at that 152 number, you know, 50 for Argentina. I, just, I, that some of those numbers scare the heck out of me for what they're thinking for corn and beans. You know, you look at, Last year, what we started the year estimating 142-ish for beans dropped down to 127. This year, the most recent forecast is 152. That's basically a billion bushels of more beans this year than last year. Like yeah. that doesn't leave much room for us to <laughs> demand a premium going into next summer. That that's the thing that has me scared, especially in the planting season, if this thing holds. Right, right. 
Um, the Argentine headlines that the corn market has had to deal with, and you talked about we took a lot of that weather premium out. Can we get a headline number out of the supply and demand, the WASD report on Wednesday, that that opens the market's eyes? I'm not expecting it. The The one thing I always look for in like this Jan report is when you go through and you start to rebalance and close out or Jan Feb, when you close out and rebalance some of those previous years, are there any quality issues that could really surprise us? A hundred million bushels one way or the other, or 200 one way or the other, you know, the 19 crop when that came through and finally got balanced out in 21, we got an up 25 cent day. Unfortunately, I don't know if, I don't think we have a scenario coming for that. You know, 20 was okay. 21 was decent crop. I mean, we've got decent test weights. I mean, from the actual fundamental, you know, phantom bushels that appear or disappear, I'm not expecting anything to really disappear this year and surprise us to the upside. And, yeah. you know, like I said, even though the dollar's down, I don't see where our big exports are coming to, to give us that crank back to seven bucks to get excited. Yep. Headwinds. That's you know, it, it feels like that's what we spent most of our time talking about there for the corn market is there are a lot of headwinds to higher prices out there right now. They, that can change, but boy, right now it's, it's difficult. We'll talk about what to do about that, and we're going to run the same process down on soybeans. That's coming up next. Luke Swenson from The Money Farm right here on Agritalk. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. Time now for news of note from Pro Farmer. Turkish President Erdogan told Russian President Putin that peace efforts in the Russia-Ukraine war should be supported by a unilateral ceasefire. A top IMF official said in the United States has not turned the corner yet, and it is too early for the Federal Reserve to declare victory in the fight on rising prices. Argentine farmers have so far sold 80.1% of the 2021-22 soybean harvest, behind the 80.5% sold during the same period the previous year. The World Health Organization received data from China on new COVID-19 hospitalizations showing a nearly 50% increase in the week to January 1st. China will reopen the border with Hong Kong on Sunday for the first time in three years. News of note is taken from the pages of Pro Farmer. Get more but try profarmer.com. Opinions expressed on Agritalk do not necessarily reflect the views of Farm Journal Broadcasting, affiliate stations, or sponsors. The chickens have come home to roost. Find out whose fence they're perched on today on Agritalk. Welcome back to Agritalk. I'm Chip. 
We are in the middle of a conversation with Luke Swenson from the Money Farm. Uh, before we get back to Luke, Davis, go ahead and recap where the market's closed. Chip March, HRW wheat futures were a penny lower at 839 and three quarters. March, soft red wheat firmed a penny and one quarter, 746 and three quarters. March corn futures were down one cent, 652 and three quarters. July corn futures closed at 646 and three quarters, off two and a half on the day. March soybean futures 12 and three quarters cents lower, 1470 and three quarters. July beans closed at 1481, down 12 and a half. March cotton 214 points higher, 82.58. Quickly on your livestocks, expectations of firm cash cattle trade to end the week helped front month live cattle futures recover from early losses to close above the opening range. February fat cattle seven and one half cents higher, 157.35. March feeder futures down a buck sixty-seven and one half to one eighty-six fifty-five, and finally front month lean hog futures have closed at lower for six consecutive sessions. Chip, the prices touched double bottom support at the D's fifteen and sixteen lows. February hogs today a buck fifty-five lower eighty-two fifty-two and one half. That's your quick market recap. Back to you, Chip. All right, thank you very much, Davis. Luke Swenson, the Money Farmers, our guest today. Uh, we rounded out the coverage of the corn market there in that last segment. Let's talk soybeans here. And and take me, we talked about how, okay, the Argentine story on corn has gotten old. Has the Argentine story on soybeans also kind of gotten stale on us? I personally think the stories are one and the same. I mean, because what okay. we're actually trading is, you know, you're, you're trading into U.S. planning intentions is what this is, the bigger picture of. Okay. You know, yeah, they might have a little... They might have some corn issues if Argentina stays in trouble, but I mean, I don't, I don't see anything big that the Safrina is not going to fix, so they're going to be able to move around. I think just the overall arching expectations of both countries is the bigger thing we're paying attention to. Okay, so the the planning intentions, how's it going to get split up here? This isn't meant to sound as bearish as it does sound, but you know, <laughs> if they come out with 152 million metric tons. What do we need beans for? You know, and that, I, I don't mean that like we need bearish. to go to zero, <laughs> but, but I mean, from like the, the argument of like last year, I was excited. Like, obviously we had our, our five day war that's now entering about year two, you know, that gave us an opportunity for every crop because we were fighting for pulses, small grains, everything, you know, this year, well, if we shave, you know, a few million bushels in need for beans off, well, it takes the luster off of spring. And then we end up looking at, okay, what are February crop insurance prices going to monetize? And I think that becomes more the driver this year than actual overall demand. I think insurance might be leading the case this spring. Okay. I'm, I'm starting to hear more and more ideas of, a, a 93 and a half, 94 million on the corn side, which would leave you at 86 and a half, 86 or, you know, something like that on the soybean side. Does that kind of make sense to you? I think so. And when you look at the areas that are really going to flex around, you know, when you look at the Dakotas and everything like that, well, yeah. like I said, if, if, if we've got decent wheat and durum prices, well, you might swing some that way. You know, you've got sunflowers are still well above where we were last year. So like the, you know, you joke that all the time that we don't like paying attention to the Dakotas and Northern Minnesota, but in all reality, we're the fringe acres that can make or break one crop. Oh, absolutely. And, and I think this year, I mean, beans are high enough. I'm a little nervous that we, you know, we might need to put some more pressure on beans to balance out those expectations. Cause I mean, we were planting 30 cent flowers in the last spring, you're down to 25, you know, canola, you've taken some of the luster off all these others. So I think you're getting to a level point where everything's still even and can shift around pretty good. But yeah, I, I think that 85, 
I, I don't think it's too far out of hand, but like I said, you know, I don't think anyone has a clue until we actually get to what is our okay. February crop insurance price. Okay. We just, we just don't like guessing it too much too early in that scenario. We just prepare gotcha. ahead and sell a little extra. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. What about all the investment that has been made in the refining or the, the crush capacity up in, um, up in your part of the corn belt? Um, Got to gear up for it at some point on the production side, right? Uh, yes. So we've got, for those that aren't aware, like if you put a, if you go about an hour southeast of Fargo, you can draw about a hundred mile radius and you have three new crush plants that are coming up and they're going to take like 60, 70% of North Dakota's export demand and crush it domestically. That's obviously going to play into the metrics going forward. You know, most of that is coming online in 24 and, you know, we, we can adjust a crop really fast season to season, as you can tell up here. So we don't need to worry about it too much in the near term, okay. uh, but they are definitely coming. And I think it's just the the play is as it plays into our topic around, you know, we're the exporter of quality and speed. Well, we can just as well, given it's not very fun to load meal out of barges or trains and ships, yeah. but, you know, we can just as easily ship refined products and finished products and be a better net producer and create the value domestically. I'm excited about the crush capacity coming through, but yeah, it's, it's definitely going to shake up acres, but it's really more of a 24 conversation than okay. 23. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, that meal shipping meal around the world. The only way that we're going to get China to buy meal is if it's cheap, 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 right? Well, we, we like double and triple our uh, production capacity yep. over the next 10 years. We'll be able to make it cheaper. Yep. Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, I, I, what does that do to the, to the, do for the livestock industry here? Long run, I think you're going to see it continue to try and shift north. You know, we've had a lot of people that have talked to us in different areas. Like we've seen the the dairy, the big dairies of the world are obviously pushing towards North Dakota. We've got a lot of them starting basically to border us on both states, South Dakota and Minnesota. You hit the anti-corporate farming rules. They can be here, but they can't technically own the building. So to try and go build a $40 million facility that houses 15,000 at a dairy, they're not going to do it. Same thing on the big side of the hog production. And unfortunately, we're, uh, we've got a lot of the NIMBYs, the not in my backyards that I mean, yeah. I've seen South big isolated South facilities shut down in areas by people saying they're going to get hog flu and their children are going to die at two, you know, in townships that have like 20 people in them. It baffles me how hard North Dakota actually is against it. But I think as you see these uh, crush facilities open up more and more, you're going to naturally see it bridge the gap and it's going to be here. And then it'll be solid cattle from Iowa all the way to BC, yeah. in my opinion. Yeah. It, the 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 changes you know it, 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 what what is happening with the renewable diesel it's been de- described many times as one of the most dynamic factors that of of a generations um uh you know experiences in in farming and it's not just because of the increased demand for soybean it's because of all the changes that it's going to support and this movement in the livestock industry, I think you're spot on, man. Uh, it's uh, it, it is really something that that we're going to have to adjust to. What about this hog market, Luke? I mean, the the first six days or the last six days in that hog market has just been, you know, pull the rug out from underneath it and a washout. What's going on? 
well, when's the last time we've had Packers really pushing and backing up kill? You know, I haven't, we haven't dealt with that much across our group in a while. And, you know, we've got some that are looking back a week and a half or so now. So if you're sitting there and you're basically pulling all those guys out of the cash market, yeah, unfortunately they get to have their way with it, you know, but looking at a chart and watching over a two week period, taking 10 bucks out of hogs, it's not very fun. You're at, I like they're overdone. I think for sure. I think that technical bounce, as you were referencing right before I started talking, back in the mid D slows, it it makes sense to hold us there. But I don't know if we need to go screaming back to eighty eight or ninety in Feb either. I think they're going to sit, wait through this kill, and then look where product is. Okay, summer month markets uh, up there. You know, we were talking about a one hundred eight, one hundred nine market. Now we're talking about a one hundred six, one hundred seven market uh, in the summer months. Do you feel any? urgency to get anything done on those as far as risk management goes? I still look at the long-term patterns and say where you're at seasonally, you know, you can draw a trend line off of your lows from November back to where we are now, uh, or sorry, back to this morning. And it looks like you broke it pretty good, but I'm in the camp. You still got some good profitable prices out there. Get some of this stuff priced early and keep averaging yourself forward. Because as we beat into our green guys all day long, you know, it's easy to hold an average high than it is. It's a lot easier to hold an average high than it is to try and build an average up from lower early sales. Okay. All right. Let's talk the risk management on the grains, because I think I heard you say earlier that you're looking to sell rallies in corn. It, it sounds like you might be a little more willing seller in beans. Uh, yeah, I just think when you look more historically, kind of where you're at from a PL standpoint right now, you've got some guys that can knock out some wild bean yields. Your inputs are really managed here. I think it's an easier to sell beans here than when you're looking up in our neck of the woods, still looking at high fertilizer and, you know, 560 cash for next year, uh, new crop off the combine. You know, it's easier to be a seller of beans here than it is corn. I am personally still, still a seller of both just in general. You know, we're, we're sitting at 25, 30% on new crop. We're majority sold on old crop. You know, we've got some extra gambling bushels around and an extra 10% or so just because we're greedy. And I think half of our mentality is we know guys are probably sitting on more cash than they want already. So they're a little tentative to try and clean out, hoping for some issue out of South America. I know that's not the right reason to hold on to a little extra, but that probably plays into our psychology a little bit at the end. Yeah. 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 You know, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with being a little bit conservative at this point until we really figure out exactly what's going on with that South American crop. Uh, it, but boy, when you get a forecast like we've got for Southern Brazil and, and even parts of Argentina right now, it's, it, it, it's, uh, the hope is starting to fade for much more support coming out of, out of South America, isn't it? Yep. And I mean, yeah. historically, look at it, they're always a week from a drought. Uh, so like, that's the downside is we're now trading two and three weeks out from that. So when you get it, you build that premium in really fast. And then the yeah. you come back in on a Sunday night and all of a sudden there goes a week and a half of progress and the rain yep. hasn't even hit the ground yet. That's right. That's right. Luke, it's always fun conversation when you're on. Thank you so much for making time and happy new year, man. Same to you. Cheers. All right. That's Luke Swenson from the money farm. Um, Wow, we're we're losing bean acres in a hurry, uh, is is what it seems to me. You know, it, Luke backed away from the eighty six and even mentioned an eighty five number in there. Let's talk a little bit more about that when we come back here on Agritalk. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. 
The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. We've cleared the schedule for you. Give us a call at 855-482-5524 and join the conversation. 855-482-5524. Agritalk, everybody. Davis Michelson here, your pal. Happy to help. Chip Flory joins. That's as clear as what's going on in the House of Representatives. I might run for Congress. You know, I think I got a shot. I really do. Dude, you could be Speaker of the House and not run. I mean, there was a vote for one Mr. Donald Trump earlier mm-hmm. today for Speaker of the House. Well, I, I wasn't going to say anything, but since since you've nominated me, I guess I have no choice but to serve the good people of this this blessed nation. Good for you. I'll do it. I'll do it. Outstanding. Outstanding. Tomorrow. We, Tomorrow. Well, it, it you you might be the only one that's willing to, you know, enthusiastically take that job right now. Well, sure. I mean, there's got to be all kinds of perks, right? <laughs> oh, now we're in dangerous waters. Never mind. Yeah, yeah. Never mind. That's right. Okay, there it is. The ninth round. Uh, we we uh, Representative Kevin Hearns, I believe it is Kevin Hearn huh? from Oklahoma, was also nominated oh. along with Representative Donald uh, mm-hmm. Donalds from Florida, and of course. Uh, Kevin McCarthy from California and Hakeem Jeffries from New York mm-hmm. have all been nominated, and we are already at a total of four votes for Donalds in round nine, two votes for Hearn, which means that uh, McCarthy cannot get to the required 218. Okay. So, yeah, well, you know, I, I guess they could change their vote. Before mm-hmm. this is all done, and yeah. and or we might have some vote present, mm-hmm. we might have some that uh, that just decide. Listen, I'm going to move from. Uh, some Democrats may cut a deal with McCarthy, and say, "Listen, I will vote for you if I can get this or that or something else." So uh, that's one of the options that the twenty have to realize. The other well, thing the like twenty that. has to realize is that they could just say, okay, the next round, whoever gets the most votes wins. That Maybe could leave Jeffries. Maybe I'm Jeffries. naive. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I don't want... that could leave Jeffries as a Democrat nope. speaker in a Republican majority house. Well, and I'm uncomfortable with the speaker of the house beholden to anybody. I yeah. understand. There's, you know, okay, you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. That's what makes Washington work. I get that. But I don't have to like it. You know, that sounds that well, you just kind of define the swamp. Yeah. Right. Yep. And and there are some in the group of 20 that have a personal vendetta 
against McCarthy. You know, they are the what? What is it? The never Kevin's uh, mm-hmm. that that just and there's five or six of them that just say, "Listen, there's no way I'm going to vote for the guy." Um, but there are others in that group of twenty that uh, want the process in D.C. changed and 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 are committed to it. I just think they've taken what might be the most important vote that they are going to cast in the next two years yeah. and have turned it into a joke. Yep. You know, if you want to change the process, you can change the process. But it's like we said at the start of the show, Davis, if you have come forward and negotiated with McCarthy to get something that you desire for you individually or for this group of 20, if 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 you don't eventually vote him in, you've lost everything that you've negotiated. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, go sit in the corner and speak when spoken to. Man, I don't yeah. know what's going on here. It's fascinating. fascinating. Oh, it is. It 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 is. It is fascinating. And to you know, hey, as a news person, as a mm-hmm. news person, I'm thrilled. Yeah. For sure, I am. I, I. I mean, this is one of the most. We are witnessing history. We are witnessing Again. history. Again, Again. yes. <laughs> Great point. Again, and uh, so I mean, what a lesson mm-hmm. to to live it real time and and watch it develop. Yeah, it's fascinating. Well, there was a wise news thinker just a week ago talking about the unexpected. Should be exactly what we expect. What we I don't expect. recall who that was. I didn't. I didn't write it in my notes who yeah, that was. I, rem- I remember. Boy, it's coming around quick too, isn't it? Luke Swenson from the Money Farm. Yes. Luke Swenson. Uh, great talk with Luke. We appreciate his time today from the Money Farm. Um, I want to flip back a couple of pages. Speaking of my notes, to a conversation with Mike Miner. Okay. Pro Ag Marketing. Yep. Who threw out the number ninety-four million acres. Yeah. Of corn. Now, if I do 94 million acres of corn mm-hmm. plus Luke Swenson's 85 million acres of beans, I come up to 179 million acres. Yeah. How do you like that? Uh, 179, 180 million. I think that's about where it's going to be. If you have normal weather, mm-hmm. you know, if you get an ultra early start in the north, you can push to 181. Mm hmm. But it's at 179 to 181 million combined corn and soybean acres that I think still makes a lot of sense. Yep. I, it, it, as we get closer, there's going to be talk about, well, you know, we could get all the way to 183, maybe even 183 and a half. Now, I, I just don't see it. 181 is about as, is as much as we should expect based on recent trends. Yeah. And that's January talk, right? Oh, we could get to we no. could get to one eighty seven. Why not one ninety? No, 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 no. Okay, no, that's that. No, I to get over one eighty one will take some some sort of extreme. It might even take another black swan to get oh. you over one eighty one. Black swan. Yeah. So I, it sounds to me like you are now in favor of black swan number two. Let's get him in here and push it all the way to one eighty three, one eighty four. Boy, I hate being right all the time, dude. But uh, you just, you know, you don't know what unexpected thing is going to happen next. That's awesome.
That is awesome. Okay. <laughs> Jim Wiesmeyer, pro former policy analyst, and I had a conversation with Representative-elect Glenn Thompson from yep. Pennsylvania, who will be eventually the chairman of the House Ag Committee. We had a conversation with him today. We're going to have that for you in the morning as part of the free-for-all right here on AgriTalk. You're part of it. So is Sean Haney from Real Agriculture, Real Ag Radio. Tomorrow afternoon, this will be fun to wrap up the week. Rick Brock from the Brock Report right here on AgriTalk.